Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Simple statement of faith that we're going to explore as we lead up to Easter. I know you're thinking, Easter? Seriously? Didn't we just get done with Christmas? Yep. Easter is coming, and this new series, we are calling Enough. And what I want to circle around today to set up a bunch of engagements that Jesus has with people in his time where he shows them that he's enough. I want to circle around before we get to those stories this week. I just want to camp on the idea that Jesus is enough. Do you believe that? Do you believe Jesus is enough? Like here, here, Here's how much I think you should believe about it. I think you should put a tattoo on your arm that says Jesus is enough. Are you still with me? Can I get another amen? No, not, no, okay. How about coffee mug? You should put Jesus is enough on a coffee mug. How about on a bumper sticker, right? Jesus is enough and you better drive better, okay? Let's be honest. If you like rocking the Jesus fish, driving like Satan, you gotta change some things, all right? All right? Jesus is enough. I think, I think, who's with me on this? I think we should buy one of those big, huge posters on the side of the highway, one of those big, huge signs on the side of the highway, put Jesus is enough. Who's with me? Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Really? Really? Or do you wonder... Do you wonder like I do sometimes? Do you wonder this question? Is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough? Are you, are, you, are you honest enough to say that sometimes you lie to yourself really, really well and you say things like, I say things like Jesus is enough, but then I don't live like that? Why? That's what I want to explore today. I want to take a real honest, honest look at this question, is Jesus enough? For those of you who are like, yes and amen, I'm so excited that you're so excited about that statement that Jesus is enough. You already, to the end of the sermon. I'm also excited for those of you who are new around here. Maybe you're just kicking around the idea of Jesus. Maybe you just knew Jesus as a cuss word for a very long time and you're like introduced to something more than that right now. That's pretty awesome. I want you to explore with me this question, is Jesus enough? Because we will say things like Jesus is enough, but we live frantic lives, hurried lives, unsettled lives. And sometimes we say Jesus is enough, but we don't exactly live like that. So I wanna set up this series so that you can engage with that question throughout the series. And so I wanna engage with that by looking in Colossians. Colossians chapter one, 15 through 20. That's where we're going to be this morning. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. It is, um, it is a hymn, a song of Paul. Paul, we just got off this series where Paul wrote to Timothy right? Fight the good fight, Timothy. So you're familiar with the words of Paul. This is another letter to a church, and Paul is helping them understand that Jesus is enough. So Colossians 1, 15 through 20, read along with me in your Bible, on your phone, or on the screen. 
The Son, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning of the first and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Here's what I want to do. I want to pick this passage apart this morning. And I want to, I want to look at four statements about Jesus that I want us to consider. Four statements, four truth statements about Jesus that I want to, re- I want to wrestle with, I want to engage with, I want to ponder, I want to consider. So let's go. Number one. Number one, Jesus created you. Jesus created you. Here's how Paul says it. It says this, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. All things have been created through him and for him. Had a really cool day yesterday. Got to play some Minecraft, okay? I lost some of you right there, right? Got to play some Minecraft with my son. And then for some of you who I lost there, we also played some Legos, because I know some of you are like, oh, the screens. Okay, listen, Minecraft is Legos for kids these days, but I actually made Eli play some Legos too, because, you know, we got to get away from the screens from time to time. So we had a phenomenal day, you guys. We played Minecraft with, if you don't know Minecraft, it's basically this game where you create worlds. Like I'm watching my son and he's like, I've got this floating island, dad. It's like floating in the sky and, and he's building stuff and he's figuring out how to, how to turn on lights when, when uh, the night comes at the, in, in the, in the uh, Minecraft world. He's figuring out all these incredible things. He, he builds uh, amazing caves and, and he has these trap doors. And, and on one of the places he had, he had this... Um, like ride where you could get into this cart and ride around and get into a secret entrance. I mean, he creates worlds. There's something about it for him. And then we, we go and we create Legos and it's a whole another world where we're putting pieces together and we're essentially doing the same thing. There's something within us that comes alive when we talk about creation, right? A little kid just naturally is filled with wonder and awe as they build things, as they figure things out, as they look at the world around them. And I want us to ponder this idea that God created all that we know. God created all that we know. Specifically, Jesus was there to create all that we know. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth and the heavens should cause wonder. Wonder about creation, but even more wonder about the Creator. Creation should turn us toward wondering about the Creator. George MacDonald was a late 18th century Scottish pastor. He said it this way The heavens and the earth 
are around us that it may be possible for us to speak of the unseen by the seen. For the outermost husk of creation has correspondence with the deepest things of the creator. He is not a God who hides himself, but a God who made all that he might reveal himself. See, this is why we wonder about creation. It's the, George MacDonald would say, it's the husk of what the deeper things of God are. It's why some of you moved here. You moved here for the beauty of creation. It's why some of you can't really engage with God right here, right now very well. But if we put you on top of the bridgers, you would say, man, I just, I just hear the voice of God in a different way. It's why some of us in the fall, we try to talk to animals, okay? Like, if you don't know this, bow hunters, that's what we do. We're like, we're like Pocahontas, like we try to talk to animals, okay? Like I got my bugle here and I'm trying to talk to the animals and try to get them to talk back to me. And I'll tell you something, that's amazing. It's amazing when you sound out a bugle, right? Or you sound out a mew and you get a bugle back from a real animal. There's something about awe and wonder. There's a sacredness in that moment. It's why we ski down these mountains. It's why we float on these rivers. It's why we spend time marveling at the things of creation. It's why at some point today, you'll probably look out and go, man, look at this place. Look at Montana. What a place. Amen. And it, yeah, and it shouldn't just point you to creation because we're not pantheists here. We don't worship creation. What it should do is it should inspire us to think about the one who made it all. Like if you're, if you're that inspired, I'll talk to me. If I'm that inspired by a bugling elk, I should be much more inspired by the one who allowed the elk to know how to bugle. The one who created that whole ecosystem the, the one who put all of those things into place so that I may encounter these sacred moments in creation. It should leave me in awe and wonder about the creator himself. And it's not just the outdoors. See, Jesus created you as well. Psalm 139, it's one of my family psalms. Love it so much. My, my grandfather, it was his favorite psalm. Uh, my dad, it was his favorite psalm. It's my favorite psalm. I'm passing it down to Eli. It's like a family psalm. And it talks about how fearfully and wonderfully we're made. How all the days ordained for us were written in God's book before any of them came to pass. How we were knit together. How we were formed together. That there's no place too high, no place too low that we can hide from the presence of God. It's, it's a psalm that speaks to this idea that God is your creator, that God knows you. He knows you. He created you. He loves you. He knows your most, your most intimate things because he made you in the most intimate way. He knows every fabric of your life, every season that you're in. Why? Because he foreknew it. He foresaw it before anyone else had it in mind. Before your parents had it in mind, God had you in mind. He created you, your innermost 
being. It's a statement that we need, to, we need to reflect upon a little bit more. We need to reflect upon the idea that God created us. Because it'll turn us toward, is Jesus enough? Because sometimes we don't live like God created us. Sometimes we question why God created us. Sometimes we wonder about the future or about the unsettled certainty of right now. And we wonder about if God made a mistake with us. And he did not because you were created by him. Before the foundations of the earth, he had you in mind. He's a creator God. Number two, Jesus created you. Jesus sustains you. Jesus sustains you. Verse 17 says this. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. He's before all things, and in him, all things hold together. Jesus sustains you. One of my favorite pastors that I listen to and and read uh, is Louis Giglio. He's a pastor down in Atlanta, Georgia, Passion City Church. And and I've been following uh, him for a very, very long time. And he, he kind of inspired me in college. He was going around and they were starting this passion movement. This movement of college, uh, college young adults who, who would really declare the name of Jesus, make much the name of Jesus. And then once a year would ga- gather together in this massive Coliseum. Now they, they meet in the Mercedes-Benz Coliseum now. I mean, it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal thing. And Lou Giglio, Giglio has had a front row seat to this movement in the next generation to make, na- no, to make known the name of Jesus. Uh, he travels around and, and was traveling around uh, with Chris Tomlin, um, with, with other incredible artists. And, and one of the stories that I love about Louis is that on one of the first tours, I think it was D- with Dave Crowder and Chris Tomlin on this tour, and, and he was coming to the end of the tour, and, and a guy came up to him after, uh, after one of the con- concerts and said, hey, hey Louie, uh, what are you doing this upcoming weekend? And, and Louis said, well, I'm, I gotta preach, I gotta preach a sermon this weekend. And the guy said, oh, what's it about? And Louis said, I, he didn't really actually know at that point yet what he was preaching about. But he's like, well, I'm preaching about this Colossians verse and how God kind of holds all things together and, and how we're made by God and for God. And, and, and so the guy goes, that's really good. What's your, what's your left hook? Like, you've always got that left hook, Louis. Like, what's your left hook at the end where everybody goes, oh, that's amazing. And, and, and Louis's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a left hook. And the guy goes, I have your left hook. He's, I'm, a, I'm a molecular biologist and your left hook is laminin, which should inspire you a little bit more than that, right? You're like, what is laminin? Okay, so, so some of you have heard this talk before, but, but Louis starts having this conversation with this guy and, and, and he says, well, what, is, what do you mean? What is laminin? And the guy says, it's, well, it's this protein in your body. And essentially it's like, it's like the building block of your body. It's like, it's like what holds everything together. It's like if you're, if you're putting concrete out and, and you put the metal in there and, and that metal holds the rebar in there, holds all that concrete together. It's like the, the rebar of the human body, laminin. And I, I want you to Google this, not right now, a little bit later, okay? But if you look at the molecular structure of laminin, it's made in the picture of a cross, 
It's just incredible. And so, so when Louis does this talk, he, he talks about how laminin is amazing and amazing. You should see laminin. I think laminin is amazing. You should see how laminin is. And, but, but it's so amazing. There's this reveal where he says, all things are held together in the cross of Jesus. That Jesus holds all things together, even within our bodies, even within the proteins of our bodies. That creation is, is telling a story. It's telling the story of our creator, God, who sustains us and who brings all things together. Why does that matter? Because when we ask, is Jesus enough? Do we believe that he sustains us? In this last couple of years, and you felt like the world was coming apart. You felt like your world was coming apart. Here's a really hard question. Did Did you live out that he sustains you? I'll go first. I I didn't always do that. I didn't always do that. And and neither did you. Because I got a front row seat to a lot of your lives. Right? There's a lot of freaking out going on. Okay? A lot of instability. A lot of fracturing. One of the things I like to say is when there's lots of pressure, it reveals the cracks. Right When there's lots of pressure, it reveals the cracks. And what I have seen is a lot of fracturing within my own life, within your lives, because of the pressure cooker that we have all been in. And so we say things like, yes, Jesus sustains us, but do we live like that? Do we live like he's the glue in our lives? That no matter how chaotic, no matter how crazy, no matter how unsettled our life is that he holds all things together because he is enough. Jesus creates us. He sustains us. Number three. Number three is this. He leads us. Jesus leads you. Jesus leads you. Verse 18 says this. And he is the head of the body, the church, He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have supremacy. Supremacy, that he might be above all things. God knows all things. He knows everything. Big word, theological word here. He is omniscient. There is nothing that he doesn't No, okay, I'm on a roll with Eli's stories today, so I'll tell you another one. We're sitting at this table a couple years ago. I think he's like five, six years old. And he's a little mini theologian, and he's a bit of a smart aleck, like his father. So uh, we're sitting there at a table with some friends, and they're talking to him, a little theology. And he says, boy, do you think you have, you must think you're pretty powerful, Eli. You think you're all powerful? And, and, um, And Eli's like, no. I'm not omnipotent. He just throws that out there. I'm not omnipotent. And then, and then the guy follows up and says, wow, seems like you sure know everything. And Eli follows with his left hook and says, no, I'm not omniscient either. Okay, right? So proud, so, so proud. Because Because Jesus goes before us and because he's over all things and because he knows all things, he is worthy of leading your life. 
He's worthy of leading your life. He's worthy of leading this church. That's what Paul says first. He's, he's the head of the body, the church. See, Jesus leads this church. I actually had somebody come up to me this morning and, and ask me uh, if, I was, if I was ready. He used some different terminology than that and, and, and sort of like, uh, what did he say? Are you ready? Are you, you got your hand on the keel or something like that, which I believe is a, a naval term and I don't understand, but I was like, okay. So anyway, there, that was a little bit of an, I pretended I knew what you're talking about. And I, anyway, so there you go. I apologize. Um, but I was like, I, I knew enough to know that he was talking about me being the captain this morning. And, I'm, and I was like, I'm, I'm not the captain. I don't need to be the captain. I have a captain and he's awesome. And he knows the naval terminology because he knows everything. And he knows where we should go b- because he came before everything. And he is the head of the body, the church of God. Stop saying that you go to Bob and Brian's church. Please stop saying that, okay? Say you go to Jesus' church. It's also called Journey, okay? I go to Jesus' church. I, I would love it if we'd stop talking about that. In fact, let me, let me tell you a little story. So there's a guy by the name of Rick Warren. He has a church called Saddleback Church over in California. Uh, small church, like 45,000 people or something like that, okay? Roughly, <laughs> most of the town of Bozeman goes to his church, okay? So... One of the cool things that I recently heard was he, he was on a podcast with somebody named Carrie Newhoff, the Carrie Newhoff Leadership Podcast. If you're not listening to that, I highly recommend uh, that podcast. Carrie, good luck spelling Newhoff uh, Leadership Podcast. Um, check that out. And Rick Warren was on there being interviewed um, by Carrie Newhoff. And um, Rick was talking about that he's going to retire soon. And Carrie asked him, well, how's that going? Were you ready for this? And Rick said something super profound. He said, I am, I am very ready for this because every week I offered God my resignation for the last 40 something years. And so Carrie asked, well, what, do you, what do you mean by that? And Rick said, well, he had this practice that he, he would, as he was driving to church each weekend, he would say, Jesus, it's your church, not my church. These are your people, not my people. And if you want to take this away from me this weekend, you can take it away from me this weekend. This is not mine. Don't let me hold on too tight. And, and basically he said, listen, I offered, I offered God my resignation every single week. And every single week, Jesus said to him, no, no, no. You go ahead. You take care of that church. I have, I have given those people to you that you might shepherd them and love them and care for them but ultimately, Rick knew that it was Jesus' church. That's what he knew. It wasn't that Rick was leading. It was that Jesus was leading, and Rick was right on his heels. I remember the first sermon I ever preached up in Big Sky. So I served up in Big Sky for about five years before I came down here to the valley. And the first sermon I ever preached was in John chapter 10. And it's all about shepherding. It's all about the sheep hearing the voice of the shepherd. And I said to the congregation, hey, if I come to be your pastor, I want you to understand I'm not your shepherd. You have a shepherd and his name is Jesus. What I wanna do is I wanna be the first follower. I wanna be the first follower. And here's what I mean by that. I wanna be the one who hears the voice of the shepherd and runs toward the voice of the shepherd first. That's what I want. 
I wanna be out the one who's right on the heels of the shepherd when the shepherd is taking us to the green pastures. I wanna be the first follower of that shepherd so that you might follow me also and that we might not fall off a cliff together because the shepherd's not gonna take us to a place where it would fall off a cliff. But guess what? To my, given up to my own devices, I might take us off a cliff, okay? Like you've been around me long enough. You're like, yep, probably, okay? So I need to be the first follower of Jesus. It's Jesus's church and he's worthy of leading it. He's worthy of leading it. And guess what? He's worthy of leading your life too. He's worthy of leading your life too. The the biblical terminology we use for God leading your life is calling him Lord. It's calling him Lord of your life, that he's over your life, that he is worthy of leading your life. And once again, I wanna push on us. If we really said, yes, Jesus is enough, why are we such control freaks? Like, why do we feel like we have to be in charge? We have to be in control. We have to lead. Why don't we embrace more that we have a good leader, a good shepherd who can lead us to where we need to go? I think this would have tangible implications for our levels of anxiety and worry and concern. I, I think the control freaks in the room who I'm, I'm in your camp, okay? I don't like anybody having the remote control in my house either, okay? I'm with you. We would change how we behave, how we think, how we act. We would consider that Jesus is leading us and the pressure isn't always on us. Yes, we're, we're called to moments of minor leadership, but we're not called to be the major leader of our life. We have a Lord. We have someone who knows all things, creates all things, sustains all things, and he's worthy of leading your life. He's worthy of leading your life. This whole series is gonna culminate at Easter and we're gonna have baptisms at Easter this year. I don't think we've ever done that in the history here and I'm pretty excited about it. We were planning on it this weekend, doing some plans and stuff for this upcoming weekend. And those folks who are going to be baptized are gonna say, with that baptism, Jesus is my savior. He saves me, but he's also Lord of my life. I'm going to be buried in my sin, buried in the the things of, of the former life, and I'm going to rise a new creation with a new leader of my life, with someone who is leading the way for me. So, that's number three, Jesus leads you. Number, or number three, Jesus leads you. Number four, Jesus saves you. Jesus saves you. So verses 19 and 20 say this, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. God had his fullness dwell within Jesus. Jesus was fully man, fully God, okay? And through him to reconcile, we're gonna come back to that word, reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. Jesus saves you. I want us to consider this word reconcile. Reconcile means to make 
right. In particular with our relationships. And so this passage is teaching us that God's fullness was upon Jesus so that Jesus might make all things right, specifically relationally with God. He's our savior. Do you think Jesus really loves you? Or do you kind of think he hates you? If he's made things right, why do some of us struggle so hard with feeling like like he's just waiting for us to do something wrong? I've had several really great friends who I would invite to church and, and this happens all the time. The response is like, no, I can't come to church. You don't, you don't understand my life, Brian. Like if I came to church, the building might fall down. It might get, I might get struck by lightning. Uh, you, you don't understand, Jesus. And, and I wanna help us here, you guys. You don't have to make things right because Jesus did. We, we, when we ask this question, is Jesus enough? That, like, we don't live like that because we live like, like, like God is punishing us. Some of you have been Christians your whole life and you still feel like God is punishing you. Like you walk around with this heavy, heavy burden. Like you need to make things right and, and you haven't. And so God's somehow punishing you for all of the things of your past. And that is just not true. What you're saying is Jesus isn't enough. What you're saying in your heart and in your mind and in your actions is that Jesus isn't Enough, and yet the fullness of God dwelled within Jesus so that he might make all things right. You can be put in right relationship with God. All you have to do is say, I give up. <laughs> I surrender. I can't lead my life. I can't sustain my life. I didn't create myself. I, I can't save myself. That's what you have to admit and the righteousness of Jesus is given freely to you. Let me summarize. Jesus created you. Jesus sustains you. Jesus leads you. And Jesus saves you. And here's how I want to end. I wanna circle back to that first question because I don't want you to tie it in a bow. When I was thinking and pondering and talking through this sermon, I said, I really want us to honestly wrestle through this question throughout this series. Now, I, I'm, not, I'm not questioning our, our faith necessarily. I'm not, I'm not saying we shouldn't like, declare that Jesus is enough, but, but here's the question I wanna ask. Is Jesus enough really? Is Jesus enough, really? Another pastor, um, Andy Stanley, leads a, a church uh, down, I think that's in Atlanta as well, and um, he, he wrote a book called Better Decisions, Fewer Regrets. And, and he asks a question in that book, it's called the integrity question. 
And the integrity question, I've mentioned this before, uh, says this, am I being honest with myself really? And ever since I've read those words from Andy Stanley, I started applying that to my life. I think it's something we should start asking around the church more. Like this, are you okay? Really? Are you healthy? Really? How's your soul? Really? Is Jesus enough? Really? I want to invite you. I want to invite you to ask that question. Is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough, really? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for for these things declared by Paul, these truths about your son Jesus, who came to live among us perfect, sinless life. Who was placed upon a cross for sins he did not commit. Who rose again from the dead three days later. Who ascended to you and is coming back someday soon. Jesus, thank you that you are revealed in your creation. You're revealed in the way that you care for us. You're revealed in the moments when we have nowhere to turn and there you are. You're revealed in your scriptures that declare how good, how gracious, and how truthful you are. Jesus, I pray that we would be honest, honest enough to ask this question about whether or not you're enough. I pray that you'd give us boldness in that question and hope in that question. I pray that we would do deep heart work, deep soul work, asking this question and seeking you with all of our hearts, all of our minds, all of our souls, all of our strength, that we might find you as enough. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for engaging with this content. If it was encouraging to you, we'd love for you to leave a review. Hit that subscribe button and share this content with others. We'd also love to connect with you. The best place to do that is journeyweb.net. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just search Journey Church Bozeman and you'll find us there. If you'd like to give to our ministry, you can do that now at journeyweb.net slash give. Once again, thanks for engaging with Journey Church.